Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Just Another Manic Monday edition, as we get you set for Monday Night Football in Cleveland as the 4-3 and three Bengals take on the 2-5 and five Browns. Coming up, I'll talk to the new voice of Monday Night Football on ESPN, Joe Buck. Dave Lapham weighs in on a topic that Bengals fans don't seem too concerned about anymore, the offensive line. I'll chat with Sam Hubbard and get his reaction to something that Chris Collinsworth recently said on this podcast, that Sam is, quote, one of the best football players that I've seen on tape. And finally, in our Know the Foe segment, we'll get the latest on the Browns from Zach Jackson, who covers the team for The Athletic. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor. More than 29,000 customers trust Paycor to help them recruit, pay, engage, and retain employees. Learn more at Paycor.com. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since... Ian Eagle getting to broadcast the Final Four. Jim Nance recently announced that this year's Final Four in Houston will be the last one that he will broadcast for CBS, and the network immediately named Ian Eagle as his replacement. If you've heard Ian before as a guest on this podcast, you know that we are longtime friends, so I'm happy for him personally. But I am also thrilled to see a great broadcaster finally get the opportunity to shine on a huge stage. Ian will do a tremendous job of calling future Final Fours, hopefully a few that include the UC Bearcats, or insert your school of choice. Now, let's get to my first guest, a guy who has certainly had opportunities to shine on a huge stage, as he's called seven Super Bowls and 23 World Series. I met this guy when we were young minor league baseball announcers just getting started, and now he's one of the best play-by-play guys to ever do it, my friend Joe Buck. Joe, it seems like you and Troy are having a ball doing Monday Night Football. I think sometimes change is good. Has change reinvigorated the two of you? It has, but let me start by saying uh, I remember those days in AAA baseball. Uh, You had more hair. I had about the same amount of hair i just have gone the hair transplant route and uh and here we are in 2022 but thanks for that and you're you're one of the best i i've always loved listening to you and uh i appreciate coming on it's been a blast i i didn't know what to expect you know i think espn was always kind of that uh that dark cloud over on the horizon like do i really want to go to espn because at fox they kind of left me alone and uh, in, in, a, in the best possible way. I loved every minute that I was there, but you're right. Change has been great. I, I think it's, it's given a shot of life to both Troy and me. ESPN has been great to work for. The games have been fun. And uh, this is normally a month where I, I'm, I, I don't know where I am when I wake up and I don't know what sport I'm doing that night. Uh, but having just one game a week, it feels like stealing. So it's been great, and, and hopefully that comes through on the air. It definitely does. So this past Monday night during the Patriots-Bears game, ESPN ran a promo for the upcoming game between the Bengals and Browns, and it was obvious how excited Troy Aikman was that Joe Burrow was coming up next week. He referred to him as an assassin. What do you think of Joe on and off the field? He's awesome, and there are so many organizations that are dying 
to have a Joe Burrow everywhere we go. You know, you look at one team after the next, there's a handful of guys that, you know, the obvious ones. And then there's Joe Burrow, who's a stud on and off the field. I think he's a leader. I think he says all the right things coming off the game. They're coming off of, uh, which was, I mean, that that's them at their best against Atlanta and, and showing all those weapons on the outside and, Tyler Boyd has a big game. I, just when you go into a game and you know, Dan, when you're going to see a lot of offense, that's those are the fun games to call. So for a quarterback like Troy, and the game's changed so much since Troy built his Hall of Fame career, you know, the, the statistics are crazy now with 300-yard games, 400-yard games by quarterbacks. But, man, it, it's I can't wait to go there. Uh, we've only had him a couple of times, and, uh, you know, we've got him also – late in the year at, at Buffalo or against Buffalo at home. So this will be one of two, and, and I can't wait to watch it. We're visiting with Joe Buck. TV loves star power. The Bengals have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, Trey Hendrickson, whatever name you want to pick out. Do you look at the Bengals as one of the quote-unquote sexiest teams in the NFL? I do. Um, you know, I mean, you know, they're the AFC champs. I think people kind of forget that. I know they don't there, but around the NFL and everybody's got Buffalo Bills fever and, oh my gosh, the Buffalo Bills, the, the Bengals are the reigning AFC champions and, you know, had every reason to feel good about that Super Bowl. I know they didn't get it done, but uh, they were right there with the Rams. So yes, they are. They are a, a sexy team. They are a star studded team. And that's what these networks latch onto. But I think that's what the casual fan latches onto. It's why the NFL is so popular. I mean, we, it doesn't matter who they're playing. And I think it's good that it's a, it's a divisional battle and all that, but you've got players that are on everybody's fantasy football team and everybody salivates to coming off a game like they're coming off of. So give me star power. Give me burrow. We'll have cameras. I know it's ESPN. We'll have cameras all over him as he's getting dressed, let alone walking into the stadium. Uh, so, yeah, that, that that stuff sells on TV. After the row and two start, the Bengals have gone four and one since. Did you have any doubts early? And if so, are they gone? They're gone. I, yeah, I think everybody would have doubts, you know, when you come back off a of loss in a Super Bowl. Uh, all the changes on the offensive line, that line seems to be getting better and better as they grow together and, and kind of mesh. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was like, man, this, they, it wasn't just that they lost. It was the way they lost and, and how the offense looked. And then all of a sudden, here they are. So uh, the, the, any doubts I had are erased. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see this team as one of the top three teams in the AFC uh, and and maybe the top two. I, I think that matchup with Buffalo is going to be like a champ game. Uh, I'm just hoping to God everybody stays healthy between now and, and the end of the season. So the Browns have dropped four in a row. They're still four games away from Deshaun Watson coming back from his suspension. What do you think are a few of the keys on Monday night? Well, they, everybody there is screaming for them to run the ball more. And when we've had the Browns, you know, they've got three running backs that, that are really talented. They are banged up a little bit on their offensive line. They've got a good offensive line when everybody's there. You know, yeah, they don't have Deshaun Watson. Um, they do have Jacoby Brissett, which to me means you better concentrate on running the football. I, I don't know that he's the quarterback at this point in his career 
that you hang your hat on and go, he's going to just take you up and down the field and win games. They need to kind of go back to old school football. So I, I expect them to come in running the ball um, and, you know, trying to keep Joe Burrow off the field. That that's the other part of this equation. I think when you're playing Cincinnati, playing Buffalo, you're playing Kansas city, and that's the other team of the top three in the AFC, you're trying to keep that other guy off the field. So, if they don't come in and, and try to pound the football, I I, I would be stunned uh, just because of how good Cincinnati is offensively. Joe, you've mentioned that uh, Cincinnati-Buffalo game a couple of times. That's the final Monday night game of the year, January 2nd at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. When the schedule came out and you saw Bengals-Bills early January, did you think this could be the game of the year on Monday Night Football? I did. I mean, I, there are a couple that jumped out at me, but they were AFC West games. And I think the AFC West has been a dud uh, so far compared to what everybody thought it would be. Uh, Rams at Green Bay Christmas week, the Monday before Christmas. It was like, man, that's that's typically a game I was doing at Fox. And now we're doing it on Monday Night Football at ESPN. But that was the one. It's like we're going to build all season long, both on the field and in the booth to see what should be a, a hell of a game on that last Monday night. So, yes, that was the one that I circled. Um, I'm glad it's at the end. It's kind of that carrot at the end of the race that, that keeps you going all year. So, uh, I, you know, it, we got a long way to go between now and then. And, again, it's injuries that, that's the only thing that scares me. Uh, but that's going to be a, a great night. Final question for Joe Buck. Your dad was one of the great baseball broadcasters of all time, but he was also the voice of Monday Night Football on national radio for decades. How did that, that impact your love of the NFL and your love for now doing Monday Night Football? Dan, I grew up in the back of the broadcast booth for baseball uh, down in St. Louis at Bush Stadium. That's, that was my playground uh, as a little boy. But my dad took me on a lot of road trips, and I was in the back of the booth in Monday Night Football when he was doing the games with Hank Stram, but I've told this a couple of times that when I was a little kid, I was, my dad was my hero. was until the day he died still is to this day, but I used to go to those games. Like my dad is the coolest guy going on the planet. He's doing Monday night football on the radio. And then they basically made a broom closet into the radio booth. And I'm looking two booths down at Howard Cosell and Frank Gifford and Don Meredith and bright lights and yellow jackets and all that. It, it just like, man, I thought what my dad did was cool. So he's been gone for 20 years now. He'd be over the moon that I was doing this and kind of made a family decision to, to change up my work life. Uh, so it's, it's, it's true. He was the voice of Monday Night Football for over 10 years, just on the radio side. And uh, I, I, there was an article that somebody sent me uh, a while ago where he was talking about the phenomenon that at the time people either loved or hated Howard Cosell and everybody was turning down the volume on TV and listening to my dad and Hank do the game on the radio. Uh, you know, maybe they're still doing that. I don't know with me doing the TV with Troy, but hopefully not. We're having a blast. And uh, I know my dad would be really proud. I lied. I have one more question. Monday night is Halloween. Will we see the yellow jackets on Halloween night? Yeah, the problem is that that's kind of been that was our plan for the last couple of weeks. They gave us like kind of joke Monday night yellow blazers that look awful. I mean, they are so cheap. And so the <laughs> the stitching in it, the fabrics pulling, it doesn't really fit well. But Troy's like, I don't know if we should wear those. You know, he's Mr. Straight Lace. I'm like, 
I'm wearing it. I don't care if you wear it or not. I may go to a thrift shop here in St. Louis and buy the nastiest 70s dress shirt with a fat, wide maroon tie and just let it rip. But I am wearing it. Troy can do whatever he wants. It'll be on me. I love it. Can't wait to see it on Monday night. And I get to see it in person, which is going to be fun. Joe, I appreciate your time. Keep up the great work. And thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, you keep up the great work. I'll see you Monday. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet capable of delivering multi-gigabit speeds designed to take your home, business, and community to a new level. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. Over the last two weeks, the Bengals have scored 30 and 35 points, and Joe Burrow has put up insane numbers. Six touchdown passes, two touchdown runs, no interceptions, 781 passing yards, and a passer rating of 133. His appendectomy and resulting weight loss is clearly no longer an issue, and you don't hear much griping these days about the Bengals' offensive line from fans and media. According to Pro Football Focus, over the past three weeks, the Bengals' O-line has graded as the fourth best in the NFL in pass blocking. Here's my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. The offensive line improvement is significant and it's obvious and i think it's health related as well um lc had back issues didn't do much at training camp at all um you know you you you, when you're in a situation where you can't take reps next to each other for all the training camp which is what, what the situation was that they were facing there yet lc had had the back issue alex kappa had the core problem um, so the right side of the offensive line really didn't do much at all, you know, working with each other at training camp. So, and then Joe Burrow's injury, you know, with the appendix, the appendectomy, appendicitis that caused the uh, surgery, the appendectomy, he didn't play too much at training camp. So you have those three components are major that it took him a while, time on task, a few reps. Joe Burrow in the opener against Pittsburgh was not the Joe Burrow that we've we've come to love. Joe Burrow here in the last month is the Joe Burrow that we know and love. Same thing with LC, same thing with Alex Kappa. They've gotten healthier. They've taken reps, time on task. Everybody's working together. I, I, think, I think that the health of Joe Burrow, the health of the offensive line, the number of reps that they've taken. I can remember talking about the fact that uh, I thought in later September they'd be better than they were in the beginning of September, and I think that was the case. Now that we're closing in on the end of October, they're playing real. I'll tell you, Alex Kappa is playing good football at right guard. I'm telling you, his pass protection is very, very good. And LC, Cam Jordan is a, is a great football player. He went down there against the Saints and just locked them up. I mean, that was his best game. So he showed what he still can do. Um, and Kappa, now that he's healthy, he is he's playing good football. Alex uh, Ted Karras in the, at the center position is showing, you know, the leadership and the ability that the Bengals hoped when they signed him. So those three signings people were concerned about at the beginning of the season, now that they're healthy and they've got some time on task and they've established a little bit of rhythm, they're playing well. That group's playing pretty darn well, and I think it's going to continue. After being sacked 13 times in the first two games, Joe Burrow has only been sacked 11 times over the past five. 
The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and sign merchandise up for grabs. Find both inside the Bengals app. In last week's win over Atlanta, the Bengals allowed 107 rushing yards on 29 attempts. That's 3.7 yards per carry to one of the best running teams in the league. They'll need a similar performance on Monday night against a Cleveland team that features NFL rushing leader Nick Chubb. He's on a pace to run for nearly 1,800 yards this year and averages 5.9 yards per carry. Sam Hubbard is one of the NFL's best run-stopping defensive ends, and I caught up with him this week. Sam, it seems like you are always doing something to get your body ready for game day. Can you give us a sense of all the things you do to uh, get ready for the rigors of this job? Uh, I think going through my routine uh, on a week-to-week basis to get myself to Sunday, to walk through it day by day would take too long, but uh, <laughs> I try and utilize every every minute and opportunity I can. I think five years I've had some time to just get my routine a little better every year, and that's what it's all about. James Harrison was here back in 2013. He estimated to us that he spent between 400000 and $500,000 a year on therapists, acupuncturists, etc. Do you spend like a crazy amount of money just maintaining your physique? Uh, I wouldn't say more money. It's, it's, I would say it's time and energy. I, you know, I have a great uh, massage person. His name is Jim Nobby that I work with uh, who is, you know, my secret weapon and uh, also chef kim on my food um those are some expenses but a lot of it's just spending time in the weight room doing uh rehab prehab recovering sleep going to bed early uh a lot of just stuff that over time can get pretty tedious but it's necessary has that evolved a lot in your nfl career yeah definitely each year i just try and get a little bit better and i think now i'm feeling as healthy strong and, and as good as i can or as I've ever felt going into a later part of the season in my career. We're visiting with Sam Hubbard. I interviewed Chris Collinsworth before the Sunday night game in Baltimore. He said, I have not seen a better player on tape this year than Sam Hubbard. I'm going to ask you not to be too modest. Do you feel like your all-around game is as good as just about any defensive lineman in the NFL? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to be, you know, talking myself (laughs) up too much, but I take a lot of pride in, uh, you know, doing things <clears throat> that not everyone does all the time at a very high level, you know, whether it's playing the run, uh, you know, running screens down or uh, being disciplined backside or, uh, you know, just communication on defense. I just think that every part of it makes you what you are as a football player. And uh, I just, you know, want that for from the respect of my teammates and the players that I play. And I think just over time, you got to earn your respect in this league. And being consistent and doing things play in, play out, I think is my path to earning my respect in this league. Let me follow up on playing the run. Sacks equal recognition. Sacks equal huge money. Does it annoy you at all that stopping the run doesn't get the attention that sacking the quarterback does? Uh, attention's great and all that, but I like winning games. I think, you know, part of uh, – stopping the run and stuff took us to a Super Bowl and it's going to be a huge part to getting us back there in the future um you know obviously I'm you know happy with <laughs> winning games and uh, I think we got a lot of great players that deserve recommend recognition and my time will come 
you and Trey Hendrickson have an interesting dynamic as the uh, primary defensive ends for the Bengals. He seems a little nutty, especially on game day. You are as consistent as level he- and as level-headed as they come. Do you guys feed off each other? Yeah, definitely. I think we push each other day in, day out, not just on game day. On game day, we kind of know how each other operates and um, have a good, really good relationship in that sense. But day in, day out, it's uh, we always say great yin and yang on uh, – you know things we do well and the other person does not so well or they do even better um it's a great relationship we're chatting with sam hubbard there's an old saying without the bitter the sweet isn't as sweet the bengals struggled your first three years now cincinnati's one of the best teams in the nfl is it sweeter definitely i think it's just more so of uh i've been through some dark days and dark times and i enjoy these wins and all the success but uh i hate losing more than anything in the world so i don't want to go back there and i do everything in my power to make sure that we have put that in the past and we just keep moving forward in this direction we're on let's talk about the browns this is one of the best running teams in the nfl but it's not complicated right it's not too complicated but what they they are they are you know the best in the league at it the best running back in the nfl Um, probably the best offensive line in the NFL great coaches great scheme Um, you really just have to be better than them and that's what it comes down to in the run game and uh, that's no easy task but uh, we're gonna give it our best shot describe trying to tackle Nick Chubb it's hard he he is strong and you just bounce off him it's kind of unlike anything I've ever played against you you really got to wrap up and you need more than one guy to bring him down uh, don't even try and think about getting the ball out and, until you've got him secured. It's it's a challenge, and he is the best back in the NFL, in my opinion. Last thing, when I was a kid, Monday night football was it. There wasn't Sunday night football. There wasn't Thursday night football. This was the primetime show. Is it still a big deal for you guys to play on Monday night? Oh, yeah, it's Monday night football. This is a, uh, one of the biggest stages in the game. It's, it's an honor. It's uh a rare opportunity you get once a year if that um and a lot of people are going to be watching it's going to be fun you've been awesome this year on and off the field we greatly appreciate it thanks for your time and best of luck yeah thanks for having me appreciate it in seven previous games against the Bengals, nick chubb has averaged 94.6 rushing yards and it's no coincidence that the browns are six and one in those games the Bengals booth podcast is brought to you by kettering health the official health care provider of the Bengals. With more than 120 care facilities and 1,500 care providers, Kettering Health is committed to guiding you to your best health. Visit KetteringHealth.org to learn more. Now, time for this week's Know the Foe segment. Zach Jackson covers the Browns for The Athletic and joined Lap and me this week on the Bengals Game Plan Show. The Browns are seven games into Deshaun Watson's 11-game suspension. How has Jacoby Brissett been? He's played better than anybody gave him uh, credit for or a chance to. Um, that starts with me when I say everybody. Yeah. I think that's stands for the organization, too. Now, he's he's not been great in the fourth quarter, and one in particular killed him. And that's kind of been the story. Of, they've been really in every game but one to the end, and it's been different things that have sunk them and a lack of connectivity. But – you know, they knew what they were signing up for, right? And it's really been more the defense letting them down. I, I think Jacoby Brissett 
is what they want in the meeting room on the practice field and all that leads up to Monday or Sunday or Monday in this case, right? And and I think they're coaching around some of his limitations. Um, I think he's been pretty good. I think he'll be a starter next year for some team that's trying to nurture a young guy along. Now, um, if you're the Bengals, you want to be up 10 or 14 and make him beat you, right? Uh, but, but I think Jacoby Brissett on the long, long list of Browns problems that would take us this whole show to go over um, is not real high on that list. The offensive line, that, that's, that's my question. Um, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Bill Callahan. I think he's one of the best offensive line coaches that has ever done it in the National Football League. And I have a big, had a big dose, and still do have a big dose of respect for the Cleveland Browns offensive line. I thought beginning of the season, top three, top five in the National Football League. Have they played that way? They've played that way some of the time, Dave, not all the time. And they're probably going to be without Pro Bowl guard Wyatt Teller again. They're not going to completely rule him out with the extra day, but with the bye week behind, they're probably going to sit him. Uh, the left tackle, Wills, the young guy's been up and down. It's a good line. Um, it's part of a good offense. And, and they run it, and they disguise the run well. Um, Joel Batonio is as good as it gets him. And he might be a Hall of Famer someday as a guard. They've plugged in Ethan Pochick as a center who's been a veteran and been solid, and Jack Conklin's come back from injury. So, yeah, I mean, when you look at this game and the Bengals still not having D.J. Reader, this is the Browns offensive line and Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt, you know, to give the Browns a chance. Um, That, to me, is one of the key areas, and and the Browns line will have to play like a top three or five unit, I think, for the Browns to have a chance in this game. Zach Jackson does a great job of covering the Browns for the athletic. Let's talk about that defense. The Browns, again, up 186 points. That's 54 more than the Bengals. What are their biggest problems so far this year defensively? Well, of late it's been the run game. And one of them, um, Garrett and Clowney, were both out. And the Falcons just said, here we come, and they ran at you. They lost middle linebacker Anthony Walker, who you know, is not a pro ball player, but he meant so much to this team. We're finding out he meant more to this team than we thought, just with his smarts and with his leadership. You know, they've got a lot invested in the safeties and Grant Delpit and John Johnson, and neither one of those guys has played well. So, you know, early in the season, it was the big uh, secondary breakdowns, including losing to the Jets in just unspeakable fashion. And lately, it's been the run game. So um, Clowney is not healthy. He 23 snaps, I think, last week. He's missed three of the last four games. I expect him to play. I don't think he'll be 100%. Miles is getting back to 100% after his auto accident. And, again, just like you look at the offensive line and Chubb, I mean, if the Browns are going to have any shot to win this game, it's going to have to be Miles just making it miserable for Joe Burrow because if Burrow has time to throw, the Browns are in trouble. Do you anticipate uh, Denzel Ward will be out of con- concussion protocol and be able to go in this football game? The Bengals, Jamar Chase in particular, was effusive in his praise of uh, Denzel Ward. He thinks that he's, you know, in, in the top uh, level in the National Football League as far as cornerback plays. Is he going to make the dance? They're hoping so. Um, you know, you can't put a timetable on concussions like you can on sprained ankles or, right. or sore knees sometimes, right? But uh, last, he's missed two games. Last week he was around the team. He was in meetings. He was feeling better. But until he passes that, that next step and can get back on the practice field, we can't say yes. So with the Monday night game, everything's pushed back a day. The Browns are hopeful, but it's going to be at least tomorrow and maybe Saturday uh, before we know that. Let me hit you on a couple of other injury-related uh, matters. Jacob Phillips, who leads the team in tackles, he just went on IR. You mentioned Anthony Walker, the linebacker, earlier. He's out. David Njoku has an ankle injury. It sounds like he's out. 
How significant are injuries in general for the Browns' four-game losing streak? The Njoku loss is a significant one. He's uh, he's having his best year, and he's a blocker. Um, he's a runner after the catch, and he's been never in his career before now have you thought that he's going to catch the ball when he throw it his way. Jacob Phillips has been was going to be benched anyway. He's been part of a disastrous run defense, but you know, they just don't have any depth in the middle of the defense. And I think to an extent, intentionally, they said we're going to go top-heavy, right? We're going to bring Clowney back. We're going to pay Miles Garrett, pay Denzel Ward. And they're staying at linebacker and defensive tackle and shown up in the results. So they'll miss Njoku. Now, Harrison Bryant is a tight end that would play for every team in this league, and he will catch passes and he will get to the right place. But he's not a threat, you know, to catch a six-yarder and turn it into a 50-yarder like Njoku is. What about uh, at the at the linebacker position? Deion Jones is, has been nicked up. Is he going to be able to go? Yeah, he made his Browns debut last week. Um, he should be ready to go. You know, they have Sony Sony Taki Taki who's in his fourth year. They're just yeah. they're just short there. Um, you know, they 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 wanted Phillips to be a thing. He's big. He's fast. He's smart. They drafted him young. They knew it wasn't going to happen right away. But this was his third year. This was his first chance to really be full time and he had three bad games and got hurt. So that leaves a big hole because part of the reason they're saying is because they thought, hey, we're waiting on Phillips, and as soon as we need him, he's going to step in. I mean, when they trade for Deion Jones on a Sunday night four hours after the game, it tells you it's crisis mode at the linebacker spot, right? And it's been crisis mode all over the defense for most of the season. But last week was the second-best defensive effort of the year. We know the Browns know the Bengals well, and we know what the Browns are good at, which is getting to the passer. So um, I'm not – calling for a Bengals beat down here. I think the the Browns really have a chance, but between the injuries and the way they've played and failed in the big moments, yeah, you know, you see why um, one team's trending positively and the other team's not. A couple more questions for our buddy Zach Jackson. You apparently heard yelling coming out of the post-game locker room last <laughs> week. Is, is tension mounting? Yes, tension's mounting. Um, you know, whatever happened in there, Dan, um, I think is something that would happen in a lot of locker rooms that have lost four straight games, you know? So to go way to the top way of this, I mean, this is not the first time or the third time in the last 10 years that the Browns have had a little bit of hope, a little bit of expectations and it's crashed and it's just been in so many different ways. You know, they, they, they didn't coach really well against Atlanta and New England. They didn't defend against the Jets or even the Panthers. They won that on a miracle. They thought they drafted the next Devin McPherson and he makes a bomb in week one and he's cost them a couple games since. So, you know, I didn't think a ton, ton of that outside of normal stuff. But yeah, I mean, this is when the Browns made the Watson trade, they were saying to the, to the NFL world, we were, we're a quarterback away. We're ready to win. And a lot of us look at this team and you see guys that are proven. I mean, the Browns in their 25 years back have not had this much talent, this much proven production at any one time. But it's just not clicking, and it's been a variety of different things. And when you've lost four in a row and now have this game in front of you, I mean, their playoff chances are already about up at flame. But, I mean, this could, this could really take the train flight off the track. So with that said, do they have enough leadership? Do they have guys that are going to step up and make sure the ship doesn't sink? I mean, do, do, do they have people that will – you know, grab this problem by the throat and, uh, you know, shake it awake or, or shake the problem away. Are, are there players that, that will step up in your estimation or are they void in that area a little bit? Well, whenever what happened in that locker room got broken up, the one thing we heard was somebody yell, there's no bleeping leadership here. So 
um, it's a great question that doesn't have an answer. And um, that's, I think, been part of the issue. You know, Miles got in an auto accident and missed a game. They they need him. He he makes everything go on defense. Right. Clowney has missed more than he's played. Denzel's missed two games. You know, they change quarterbacks in the summer, and they're going to change quarterbacks again. So this is the first time in 15 years they've had continuity in terms of third-year coach, third-year GM, coach keeping his coordinators. That's supposed to be a plus for leadership, for the little things, for guys figuring things out, right? And everybody has a tough thing or two go wrong at the start of the season. But it's it's not only snowballed at times on the Browns, it's been different things. And that makes it both puzzling and then obviously frustrating for a team that didn't expect to go 9-2 and two or 8-3 and three without Deshaun Watson, but they thought they'd be right in it and they're just, they're just not playing well. Our thanks to Zach Jackson, and here's an invitation to join Lap and Wayne Box Miller at the Wings and Rings location in Liberty Township for the Bengals Pep Rally Show this Friday from 3 to 6. Their special guest in the final hour will be the G-O-A-T, the GOAT, Anthony Munoz. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, presented by Kettering Health, the official health care provider of the Bengals by Bengals Picks and Ultimate Bengals. They're free to play with tickets and signed merchandise up for grabs. By Paycor, the official HR software provider of the Bengals. And by Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet. Elevate your connection with Alta Fiber. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.